Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Bless Your Boys Podcast 127, recorded September 7th, 2014. A week of treading water. With special guest Robert Jackie of Bless You Boys. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Swing it a bit! Watch it Bless You Boys podcast, where the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, talks about the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball, whatever else happens to be on our minds. As always, I am your host, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, Al Beaton. Joining me, as always, is the king of West Michigan, who also happens to be running baseball teams. Well, I guess softball right now, isn't it, Hookslide? Yeah, running softball, but uh, my, my son's still in baseball, so it's we're, we're doing double duty this fall. I hope you're using your um, your Earl Weaver strategies that you I think you have memorized at this point. <laughs> well, no, I'm not managing my son's team. So for once, I get to sit on the sidelines and just complain about the other guy's managing styles. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you. Um, I hope we don't see any headlines about you on M Live anytime soon about about like, raging what? parent or something. Right? Like uh, what's his face, uh, uh, Mitch Williams? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Getting in the Empire's face and cursing. No, that's that's not me. Uh, at least not normally. Yes. Well. Uh, to get back on track, uh, we're recording this uh, on Sunday, uh, September 7th, the first day of the NFL, uh, but we're not here to talk about football, and, and if I, we were, Hookside would hang up, So, but uh, we, we had to put off the podcast for a couple days because we have a special guest, and we'll get to that special guest in a moment. Uh, first off, a little bit about the podcast. If you'd like to contact us with love letters or hate mail or questions at all, uh, please contact us at bybtigers at gmail.com, bybpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Bless You Boys, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers. As always, just search for us on the social networks, follow us, like us, and uh, we try to be relatively entertaining. Also, we want to um, issue some apologies as to the issues with the podcast. Um, and I hope you can hear this apology. <laughs> Hopefully the issues have been sorted out with Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we've been in contact with them. We do know there's been problems with iTunes, and some of the downloads have been off. And also, for that matter, Stitcher hasn't updated in over a week, and it, which is, well, all this is kind of pissing me off. Uh, but hopefully, Blog Talk Radio has that all under control. We'll know about that soon. So, But I think we have all the groundwork covered, Hook Slide, other than uh, let's switch to our special guest. So I'll let you do the introduction. Well, this 
special guest needs no introduction. You all know him around the site for his uh, statistical analysis posts and daily game previews, and he's on Twitter, but uh, also has a degree in uh, professional physical therapy. So welcome to the show, Rob. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going right. Yeah, it's going well. Other than the fact that you made Hookside and I get us up early on a Sunday, and we're still <laughs> pissed about that. But you know, what are we going to do? We wanted to have you on the show. Hey, I have a, I have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> and he already twists the knife. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, first off, Rob, uh, we main reason we wanted to have you on the show is uh, is you are uh, more than just a. Uh, pretty much the, the the lead sabermetrics guy at Bless You Boys, but you're also a professional physical therapist. Uh, and maybe to lay the groundwork into the discussion, maybe can you talk a little bit about what exactly you do, and you know maybe your thoughts on on, on your career in general, on being a doctor of physical therapy. Yeah, um, the, for the few hours a day that I'm not writing at the site, mm-hmm. um, I'm uh, working as a physical therapist, treating um, people really of all ages in our clinic. Um, you know, I've got patients from nine to 90 years old, um, but working on helping them improve from injuries that they've had, mm-hmm. uh, primarily things involving muscles, bones, joints, you know, there's other areas of physical therapy, but I'm primarily working in, you know, if you broke your arm or had a knee replacement or had surgery, something like that, helping, helping people recover from that. Uh, do you find yourself dealing with a lot of sports related injuries? Yes, um, I do, especially with younger younger athletes. We see a lot of uh, high school aged kids, so I'm dealing with you know quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of athletes throughout my day. Well, that kind of gives us a nice segue into what we wanted to talk about, and that was specifically what's going on with the Tigers right now. And I, I think the biggest one right now we really need to start with uh, well, Justin Verlander. Uh, he, the, you know. For all the people who complained about how he was last year, realistically, he still had a pretty solid season if you look a little deeper into the advanced metrics. This year, though, has been an entirely different thing. And a lot of people are out there saying, well, you know, we, if you listen to Sports Talk Radio anyway, Rob, you know, you get the, oh, he don't care anymore, he's got his contract, oh, it's Kate Upton's fault, it's about the nude pitchers, whatever. But do you think he was rushed from the core muscle surgery, and and feel free to maybe uh, enlighten us a little bit as to what exactly the core muscle surgery is and how it could affect uh, the pitching mechanics of an elite athlete. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the core muscle surgery first. Um, it's kind of a loaded term. Uh, it's very vague because there are a lot of different things that the core muscle surgery could cover. Um, but long story short, you know, whatever was operated on, the core muscles are really kind of the link between the upper and lower half of the body. Uh, I just I just thought of this example before the show, mm-hmm. um, but you think of you know you buy a tube of cinnamon rolls or crescent rolls or whatever at the store, and you have to twist the tube to get it open, and then everything kind of spills out after that. That's basically what's happening with Verlander now. Whenever he tries to go through his motion or whatnot, or at least when you don't have strong core, that's what would happen. Obviously, without everything spilling out, of course. Um, but that's kind of the thing that he's not, he doesn't have his upper and lower half length. And I think that's why he's having a lot of trouble, um, getting through games. Mm -hmm. Now 
in his case, he had surgery in January and then was pitching in a spring training game less than eight weeks later. Right. And then starting in on opening day less than three months later. So I definitely think that he was rushed back to a point. I don't think that the Tigers and that he and the Tigers worked through any pain or anything like that, because I think that the, the medical staff would have obviously shut him down if he was having any pain with his pitching motion at that point. But I don't know if his surgery, I mean, I don't know if his strength and his stamina were where they should have been when he started pitching in games. Rob, let me just jump in real quick there, because uh, just to clarify, make sure I understand this right, if the core muscles aren't you know, where they should be, does that then mean that he's putting possibly extra stress on the lower or the upper half? It's possible that he's putting a little bit extra stress on it. Um, I think that what he would be doing is that, um, you know, it, from a, rec- recovering from a surgery like this, we would want to work on improving the, the strength, the activation, and the endurance of some of the deeper core muscles. They're smaller muscles that activate pretty much any time you do any sort of movement. And those, you know, they're not going to be super strong or super huge, but you want them to be almost constantly active so that they can help stabilize the more important parts of the body whenever you're moving. Um, and I think that in his case, if those aren't as strong as they need to be or is, or don't have the endurance that they need to have, then he's compensating with some of the larger muscles in his core and his abdominals. Uh, and I think that that may be throwing him off a little bit. I don't know if it's so much that he's putting extra stress on his lower or upper half. I think that is just throwing him off mechanically. Right. I think that's kind of what I meant is the overcompensation part, maybe not putting extra stress, but maybe overcompensating with either the lower half or the upper half. I'm just sort of driving towards this question of, you know, is that possibly what's behind the the recent uh, soldier, oops, soldier shoulder pain that he's talked about? Yes, I, I really think that that is a that those two are linked. Um, you know, Verlander has a history of not being hurt whatsoever. Um, and the type of injury he had, you know, the MRI was clean. There was no. No damage to the joint, no damage to the rotator cuff. It's just like like a little bit of inflammation in his shoulder. That's an overuse injury, but that's overuse in the short term sense. In that it came on in a few, this came on over a few weeks, not over his last eight to ten years of pitching. Um, so I think that it's it surfaced because something changed in his mechanics, and I think that that is due to the to maybe some muscle imbalance with the core surgery. Well, that leads to the question is that he took 12 days off. Was that realistically enough time to uh, to get him uh, his shoulder back to the point where you know he could be an effective pitcher? Because it, I, I, it seems to me that when you add all this together, we're not going to see the real Justin Verlander until sometime next year. No, I don't think we'll see the real Verlander until until next year. I think that that's just kind of the natural recovery process from the surgery. Um, but 12 days off for the shoulder, I think, absolutely would be plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Um Getting a little bit of inflammation out of there, especially with all of the, you know, with all of the advantages he has of having, you know, professional medical staff uh, dealing with him 24 um, seven. I think that he's, you know, taking that little bit of time off could have definitely knocked that out. So I don't think that I don't think the shoulder should be an issue at this point. All right. So I, I guess the main, I guess the main thing to take from all this is that uh, how these guys prepare like maniacs in the off season to get to this level. The, the, I t- obviously, the surgery, and for that matter, you could add Miguel Cabrera to that. You believe that re- really the lack of having a normal off season has affected them this entire year. You know, even though we're, we're well past six months since the surgery, more like almost uh, ten months past the surgeries now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, these guys, you know, they train like crazy during the off season. 
Um, and a lot of that is because they can't train as much during the regular season. So they're trying to, you know, build up as much strength as they can. Um, I know that, what was it, Ian Kinsler said that he tends to lose about 10 pounds during the season. That was mm-hmm. when he was down in Texas playing in the heat, obviously. But these guys, you know, they get so beat up during the daily grind of the season that they have to train during the offseason just to make sure that they're able to withstand all of that. Um, and I think that we're seeing both Cabrera and Verlander improve a little bit. Mm-hmm. Throughout the season, um, Cabrera is kind of a different story, and we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, but I think both these guys are improving a little bit as the season goes along because they're getting further and further away from that surgery. And I think that we'll see them back to normal or as normal as they can be next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that a lot of that has to do with just the, the lack of preparation that they had because of the recovery from surgery during the off season. All right. Well, and speaking of Cabrera, and I segue into that, uh, I guess first off, this is ankle injury He's that has really been lingering for some time. Could that be related to making adjustments to the core muscle surgery? I don't know if it is. Um, I, I remember, I think it was yesterday, that Fox showed a video of him sliding into a base awkwardly when the mm-hmm. team was in New York in early August. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of right around the time that his numbers started to take a nosedive. Um, from the start of that New York series into the end of August, he had a 626 OPS. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just now starting to come out of that. Um, but he's coming out of that while making changes to his swing. Uh, they showed yesterday that when he hit the first home run off of Madison Bumgarner, he basically wasn't even standing on that right foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pretty much just swinging off of his front foot, which, you know, for a normal human being should completely sap their power. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Converter's not a normal human being, so it's amazing that he's still able to do all this while essentially playing on one foot. Um no, I don't think that that's really related to uh, to the core muscle surgery. Because I think that before he injured that, we were starting to see him come around a little bit better, you know, on fastballs and get the timing of his swing back a little bit. And we're starting to see that a little bit now over the last week as well. But is the loss of power uh, is that a result of the core muscle surgery? Do you believe? I definitely think that is. Um, I remember looking up earlier before he started dealing with all this ankle ankle nonsense. Mm-hmm that he had, his home run per fly ball rate, or the percentage of fly balls that turns into home runs, was less than half of what it was last year. Uh, but pretty much everything else was the same. He was right. still swinging at the same number of pitches inside and outside the strike zone, still making contact with about the same number of pitches. So there wasn't anything wrong with his swing, in a sense. It was just that he, you know, when he made contact, the ball wasn't going as far. And I think that that's definitely related to the muscle, to the muscle surgery. All right. So, uh, in your professional opinion, I be- do you think we'll see uh, the 2011, 2012, 2013 version of Miguel Cabrera next year? That part's tough to say. Yeah, uh, I think that we'll definitely see him at the beginning of the year if he has a if he has a good off season, provided this ankle doesn't need any sort of surgery in the off season. We mm-hmm. hope. Um, you know, but if he has a normal off season to prepare, we'll see it early on. Yeah. But I- I'm as over the last couple of years, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Cabrera because he tends to get so banged up during the year that will we ever get a full season out of him without him running into some sort of ankle or groin problem? Mm -hmm. That that part's tough to say. Um, You know, he's not built so much like Prince Fielder, but he's still a bigger guy. Right. And having played professional baseball for the last 10, 11 years, uh, that can start to wear on him as, as his career goes along. So I'm hoping that we're not seeing 
the start of him just start to it, i hope we're not seeing that start to take its toll right yes. now so early in yeah. his new contract yeah That's, essentially become a, a, a productive player but not a full-time player and that le- just the well, baseball, uh, let me uh, just for the uh, hook jump in here hopefully just to follow up on that uh this kind of plays into the victor martinez thing do you think because you're worried about the durability of Kerber, who has and now has a very long con- uh, term contract in hand and then you have Victor Martinez, who's going to be a free agent, but he's having a career year. Would Miguel Cabrera be better served becoming the Tigers' full-time DH? And that would mean, realistically, the Tigers would have to let Victor Martinez walk. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen over the last couple of years that I think every I think every injury he's suffered over the last two or three years has been base running. Yeah. If anything else, so if we could, you know, get a pinch runner for him every yeah, a designated base runner. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be nice but no i think uh playing in the field he's actually a, a decent asset right um you know i was looking at his numbers he's not a spectacular first baseman but he's miles better than what prince fielder was last year right uh, and i think that overall he's been a net positive for the tigers over there so if we can keep him at first base for as long as possible then great and if they and if the tigers do sign martinez he's proven to be fairly capable at first base as well so maybe giving him a few more games at first to keep Cabrera healthy could also be a useful strategy for the Tigers down the road. All right, Hoxley, you have something to add? Yeah, I just I wanted to raise the issue, uh, maybe ask the question, um, you know, with, with Cabrera getting older, and for that matter, you know, Verlander is getting a little older too. Uh, does the, the question of, um, you know, I know that as you get older, it's a little bit, it takes a little bit longer to recover from certain injuries. Does that factor into this, you know, kind of thing that you were saying of, you know, are we ever going to get a full season out of Cabrera, you know, where he's not sort of banged up? You know, is it going to take him longer and longer to, to recover from these sorts of things? At his age right now, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I think we'd start to worry about that more as he starts to get up towards Martinez's and Hunter's ages, you know, in his mid-30s or later. Mm-hmm. I think that'll start to take a toll then. But, you know, in his early 30s, I don't think that that's a huge issue at this point. It's more just the, the, the running him out there every day. Um, not giving him the, the time to rest that he needs. And that would be the biggest concern. So it's it's not time to press the doom button on the quote-unquote decline yet? No, definitely not. Good. All right. All right uh, let's, uh, moving on to some of the uh, the other rashes of injuries we've had. Let's start with uh, Bruce Rondon, who was expected to be a big part of the bullpen this year and, uh, need, and had to undergo Tommy John surgery in spring training. By the next spring training, Rob, it'll be 12 months post-surgery. Is it plausible to believe that Rondon will be back to his 100-mile-per-hour effective self next spring? Because pretty much the vast majority of Tommy John uh, uh, pitchers who have gone through Tommy John, let me look at Jabba Chamberlain, for example, seem to be they don't really become their old, very effective selves for almost two years post-surgery. Yet that year after the surgery, they really just seem to be finding their way back. What's your what's your thoughts on Rondon? I think that the timing of Rondon's uh, injury and surgery are a little bit interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, having it in spring training this year, he's going to be back close to spring training next year. He may be a little bit delayed going into the season, um, and I think that that's a good thing for the Tigers and that they'll be able to kind of work him in mm-hmm. to everything next year. Um, but no, I don't, to answer your original question, I don't know if we're going to see him throwing a hundred miles an hour right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as he progresses throughout the year, I think that he may get back to that velocity, but you may see him, you know, throwing quote unquote, only 97 or 98 miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, at first, uh, as he 
keeps improving his arm strength, keeps improving uh, his ability to, to, you know, just withstand the, the daily grind of a season. Um, you know, the command is a, another issue entirely. Yeah. But but I think that his velocity should be fine towards the end of the next season. All right. So it's safe to assume, though, Rondon will be a part of the bullpen at the very least, probably at the at the I think the latest, maybe by like the all-star break of next year. I think that's the very latest. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that there would have to be a, some sort of setback along the way okay. for him to make his debut, debut along the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. I'd be, I'd be, if there are no setbacks between now and next year, I'd be surprised if he doesn't pitch in April. All right, all right, all right. Andy Dirks, another spring training injury, Rob. Uh, the Tigers uh, sold us on the oh he'll be back in uh, eight to twelve weeks. Well, eight to twelve weeks was uh, more like three months ago. And it's to the point now where the Tigers have essentially shut him down for the year. We won't see Andy Dirks until next year. Uh, and, and as someone who has gone through numerous back surgeries, I've had three. I've and you know even though I didn't have the same uh, resources that a Dirks would have, you know, being a member of uh, of the Tigers, I really did find it kind of unrealistic to think that anyone could recover from a major back surgery. And that's what this was. This was major back, relatively major back surgery. In such a quick amount of time, and let alone be effective. So, uh, what's your take on? Because I, I know you wrote a, a few posts on this on what the surgery was and what the recovery could be. Uh, did the Tigers oversell his recovery, and do you think this surgery is going to impact him for over the long term of his career? I think they definitely oversold uh, the recovery time for him. Uh, I thought eight to twelve weeks was very, very optimistic extremely optimistic yeah. um you know but i don't think it was unreasonable to expect him back at some point this season um there are reports out there that he was dealing with hamstring issues during mm-hmm. his re- rehab assignments and that while that's not quote-unquote related to the surgery um you know it is a little bit you know it can be tied in with that right it doesn't doesn't mean to say that there was anything wrong with the surgery and i think that if the hamstring issues were what shut him down, I think that's kind of a good sign for the Tigers in that it's not actually the back itself. Right. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think that the, the original timetable was very optimistic. Yeah, it seems to me like a more realistic would have been the all-star break, but uh, it, it's just a shame that it worked out that way. And, and this is one of those things where uh, I, I think Tigers fans uh, tend to forget that this is the team that realistically has been decimated by injuries this year. And uh, compared to the last few seasons, and I think that's really played. Do you think that realistically, the numerous injuries this team has had to deal with since spring training, this has really, I think, affected this team in the entire year and plays a big part into this uh, meme of them not being able to run away of the division? I think so. Um, you, you know, you don't see the types of injuries other teams like the Texas Rangers have mm-hmm. gone that have had to deal with, yeah. um, you know, other than Cabrera. You know, having this little bit of an ankle injury, Cabrera and Verlaine are struggling from their offseason surgeries. Uh, the main guys on this team have been relatively healthy, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, you know, but the, the, the injuries that they have suffered, you know, Dirk, Sanchez, Bruce Rondon, uh, guys like that, that has just absolutely killed their depth. And, you yeah. know, you're seeing guys like Ezekiel Carrera, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys that really shouldn't be getting as much playing time as they are. And I think that's really what's what's hurt the Tigers to share. Yeah, and speaking of hurting the Tigers, a couple of big injuries have been that to Annabelle Sanchez and Joaquin Soria. 
Uh, let's start with Soria because it appears that he is close to returning in Sanchez. He's had a couple of um, of bullpen sessions. It looks like he may be back for the end of the season. Uh, I guess the question is, this type of surgery, uh, not surgery, but the type of injury Soria's had, Rob, uh, do you anticipate a is a return before the end of the season realistic, and uh, is it going to affect his effectiveness? I think a, a return before the end of this season is definitely realistic. Um, you know, I believe that Brad Austin says that he that Soria was scheduled to throw a a bullpen or no a simulated game mm-hmm. sometime this week. Um, so I think that his return is you know pretty close on the horizon. Whether that's within the next week or a couple weeks, you know, it's tough to say. And I don't know if he'll be throwing any high leverage, high leverage innings anytime soon. Um, but I think that you know he he'll get a couple appearances mm-hmm. during you know during the regular season as long as nothing goes wrong with this with this um, bullpen session this week. Right. Yeah, just to make sure we're on the same page because I, I got to lose track with all the different injuries and yeah. surgeries and so <laughs> forth. But with Bakim Soria, if I'm not mistaken, that was a side strain. Is that correct? Yes, that was an o- oblique strain. Okay, and so can you talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah, the o- obliques are one of the four abdominal muscles. Um, they're located kind of along either side of your of your abdomen. Um, he strained one of those, I believe, when he was, did he say he was running to first base when he strained that? Um, but it could have been something to go along with his pitching motion as well. So that that will affect him and his motion when he's pitching. But overall, it's just kind of an injury that takes a little time to to rest and heal and once everything gets under control with that, you should be good to go. All right, and that leads us to Annabelle Sanchez, who is uh, – is he dealing with the same sort of injury as Soria? No. Um, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure yeah. what exactly Sanchez is dealing with. I know that he was placed on the disabled list with a pectoral strain. Um, you know, the pecs are the big muscles right in the front of your chest, and they attach to the front of the shoulder. Um, and I believe that he was getting a little bit of inflammation right along that point that attaches to the to the shoulder. It's something that he's dealt with in the past. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that because he's dealt with it so many times in the past, he had a little bit of scar tissue building up somewhere in that area. Um, that scar tissue tore. Uh, and obviously, based on his statements, it was pretty painful. Now, as far as where exactly the scar tissue was, that kind of tells us the extent of the actual damage but we don't know where the scar tissue was. So it's tough to say exactly how much he's going to be affected. Um, but I would be very surprised if he pitches at all again in 2014. Yeah, and this is one of those things where I, the Tigers said one thing, oh, he could be back before the regu- end of the regular season. And when Sanchez uh, suffered that debilitating pain during his workout, you know, essentially it really sounded like the scar tissue cutting loose, whatever it was, he automatically said, my season is over. Uh, you know, and uh, I, this is one of those uh, situations where I, I really tend to believe the player who really knows his body well. And as you had mentioned, Sanchez has been through similar injuries before. So this really seems like an injury, Rob, that we were not going to see Annabelle Sanchez till spring training of next year. No, I don't think so. I'd be shocked if he pitches at all, even in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But this, do you think this is something that could affect him as well long-term, or is this just one of those recurring injuries that – well, that, let me ask you this. Do you find that some people just have a, a weakness in their body that leads to have a recurring injury in the same spot? Because Sanchez has had a lot of issues with obliques and side-type issues like this. I don't know if it's a weakness per se, but it mm-hmm. probably related to his mechanics. Yeah. Um, you know, every pitcher is different. Every pitcher is 
built differently. They fall slightly differently. Um, and some guys are just a little bit more prone to injuries, whether it's in the shoulder or elbow or what have you. Um, Sanchez is obviously proven to be a little bit more vulnerable in that right shoulder than others. Um, and I think that that is playing a role in this as for whether it's going to limit him long term that's tough to say and again that kind of goes back to where exactly that scar tissue was and what exactly was torn um but you know i believe that they had even consulted with dr james andrews and he had said that you know this was probably not going to need surgery so you know obviously if you can avoid shoulder shoulder surgery when you're Mm -hmm. a pitcher that's a very good thing so if he if he doesn't have any surgery i think he should be fine going into 2015 Right. Anything you'd like to add with uh, Dr. Rob uh, Hookslide before we uh, decide to let him go and uh, enjoy his Sunday? Yeah, let's let's move on to the bonus round because as we were talking about some of the spring training injuries, a thought just popped into my head. We haven't really talked about Jose Iglesias right. uh, in the shin splints, and uh, I, I have to confess my ignorance here. Even though I've experienced shin splints in my life, I really don't know what that injury is, what causes it. Uh, but it certainly sounds, Rob, like like this is something that he's gone through. Uh, you know, it's somewhat recurringly. Um, so can we talk a little bit about what that injury is and, uh, you know, the idea of is this something that he's going to continually suffer from, you know, for the next several years? Or, you know, is this season of rest going to kind of fix that for him? Yeah. Um, shin splints are, like you said, kind of a recurring injury. Um, they're basically an overuse injury in that if you're, you're running too much or stressing the, the, the tibia, the big the big bone in the front of your lower leg, um, those will continue to bother you. Now, the shin splints themselves are a little bit of tearing of the muscle that attaches to that bone. Um, but in Iglesias' case, he, he played, kept going through it, kept going through it, kept playing through the pain, and eventually started to pull away from that bone itself, resulting in the stress fractures. Um, so his is obviously a little bit more severe than, you know, anyone else's who, you know, if they're running, they feel that pain in their shins. A lot of people are probably going to stop at that point. Um, and that is the body, kind of the body's way of protecting you in that, you know, you're getting some pain because that, that muscle is shearing a little bit. Um, and when you stop, you know, you're, you're able to avoid any further damage like Iglesias had. Now, in terms of whether it's going to affect him long term, that's tough to say. You know, there there were reports of him running on sand one offseason for workouts, and that could definitely play a role because with with running on sand or an unstable surface like that, he's going to be using those muscles a little bit more than if he's running on flat ground. Um, but some people are just prone to getting shin splints a little bit more often. Uh, I know that anytime I try to run and train for pretty much anything, um, I'll get shin splints if, after running for a few days. So... You know, some people are just more prone to them than others, and whether he's going to suffer from them long term is anyone's guess. But I definitely hope not. So, is there any way to kind of protect against that? I mean, he's a, he's an extremely you know active, athletic shortstop. We've seen him you know cover a lot of ground out there, and he's got this running regime that he likes to do in the off season. Um, so, is this just one of those things that he can he can find a way to protect against that, or is it just you know we're stuck with it? He's going to always be prone to that. There are definitely ways to protect against it um, in terms of preventing him from getting him in the first place you know they can do a lot with with foot position and giving him orthotics in his shoes um changing his running regime so that he's running on firmer ground and doesn't have to rely on that muscular support so much um and and when he does start to get the injuries i think that 
you know, just using him a little bit more sparingly. I know the Tigers were really kind of running him out there every day down the stretch in 2013. Um, but with someone like Eugenio Suarez in the fold now, you know, if the if the Tigers can use Iglesias on a little bit more of a part-time basis and be a little bit more versatile in their lineups, I think that that could help keep him healthy as well. Okay. And one more question. Since we've been talking about all these injuries, let's move a little bit more towards your, you know, stats and analysis skill set here. Um, I know none of us has a crystal ball, but if you had to uh, place a bet on the AL Central this year, Tigers or Royals? I still think the Tigers would take it. Um, you know, with with the schedule they have going down the stretch now, you know, other than the the Giants ruining everything this weekend, mm, I think the right. Tigers the Tigers still have the better schedule going forward, and they've played well against the Royals this year. So I think they'll still I think they'll still squeeze it out in the end. So are the Royals for real, or are they due for some major regression? I you know at this point I they must be for real. You know we we have been predict, predicting regression for probably about the last month now and they just keep on winning you know sometimes those teams just you know they they have that season and they they keep on winning so they must be for real so the tigers are just going to have to increase their uh, effectiveness then well i think that if they if they're able to win the head-to-head head-to-head matchups that'll be huge you know if the tigers can go four and two five and one against the royals they should walk away with the division um but you know if it starts to come down to the tigers playing 500 ball over the next few weeks they they may be in trouble so there you go. Put put your money on the uh, on the Tigers, Al. Yeah, exactly. And uh, before we wrap it up with Rob, uh, Rob, if uh, anybody wants to follow you online, how can the listeners uh, uh, get in touch? Well, obviously, I write for the same website as you guys, so they can always find me there. Um, I'm on Twitter at bybrob. I know I changed that. I think I changed that actually before the season, so everyone should be used to that by now. Um, but those are those are the two big spots to find me. Right. And the next time we have Rob on, we will set aside an entire hour where he can tell us his feelings on the Doug Fister trade. So <laughs> I might be longer than that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, be, uh, we really much appreciate you taking time out of your weekend, Rob, to uh, um, the, t- the talk injuries and Tigers. And uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And, uh, and we'll, obviously, we'll talk soon. All right. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Thank you, Rob. I'd like to thank Rob Bujacki again for joining us on the podcast. As always, be on the lookout for his awesome game previews, which I I, I don't know I don't know how he does it most of the time. I know he's taken a bit of a break this uh, this year. Hooks like he doesn't do all of them anymore, but it's like I don't do all the recaps anymore. But Rob's uh, recap, I mean Rob's um, game, previews game previews are the best out there. I tell you what, there's there's no doubt about that. I, I've said to him before. I, I don't know how he uh, keeps up with all the other uh, activity within the league to be able to say, you know, here's the Tigers' opponent for the day, and here's what they've been doing for the last week, and here's the pitch selection that their opposing pitchers are featuring. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I, yes. I can barely keep up with our own team, let alone what you know the Giants are doing. Say so, uh, but yeah, it was it was good to have him on on the mm-hmm. on the podcast. Like I was saying to you before the mm-hmm. show. Obviously, our, our, our audience knows, you know, about his game previews right. and, and the statistical analysis, but I don't think a lot of people realize that he had that doctor of physical therapy degree yeah. and brings a, a very uh, interesting perspective to the table because of that. Yeah, yeah. We call him Dr. Rob for good reason. 
No. Sorry, can we get the uh, Beatles trailer in, the, in here somewhere in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, getting back on track, I guess, uh, with the Tigers. Uh, the, well, since we've last talked, uh, Hook Slide, you know, obviously it's been a little more, a little over a week. It's been about nine days. Uh, it's been another week of essentially the team treading water. Uh, and, and, and essentially, this, the Tigers have become a 500 team since the. Uh, uh, their hot start, and this is going back since the break. They were 16, 15 in August. They're three and three in September. They're five and five over the last ten games. They're 24, 27 in the second half, and they're four and five since we last spoke. Uh, if that doesn't have mediocrity written all over it, I really don't know what does. And even the last three series, uh, you know, one of them was a four-game split with the White Sox. Then they bounced back to take three or four from the try, but then they gave two of those games right back, as Rob mentioned, as um, they're, they're struggling against the Giants. Uh, so, see, but if you look at the last week, yeah, uh, since you know Monday, they are over three and three. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, the thing is, is, what we're kind of leading to is on tap is their biggest series at this point of the season. Uh, what tomorrow, Monday, the Tigers start with three games against first place Royals. And I guess the thing is now, Hook Slide, is it's now the point of the season. There's only, realistically, three weeks left. Hard to believe there's only three weeks left in the season. But treading water isn't enough. They need to start stringing some winning streaks together. they got to start winning games in bunches, or this team is going to sit home for the first time since 2010. It's kind of hard to imagine that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what are we going to do with our October if the Tigers aren't actually in the postseason? Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, like I've, I've mentioned a couple times, to, whether it was on Twitter or you know, posts on the on the, mm-hmm. on the site, um, you know, you got to remember, 2012 was you know even a little more bleak than oh, this yeah, in terms definitely. of they didn't even uh, get back into first place until game what 154, I think. Mm-hmm. So with only you know a little more than a week left in the season, did they you know move into first place? And you gotta you know kind of keep that in perspective and say that that's a little more nerve wracking. I mean, but than what we're experiencing now, there's still a little more time than that. But it could take that long. Yeah. You know, it could take them to game 154, 55, 56, even mm-hmm. you know to even get back to first place. So yeah. you know just. You know, like I said on the site when I wrote that post about surviving, you know, I was only half joking when I said strap in. You know, this is going to be, this is going to be a rough stretch. Yeah, yeah, and this and uh, and to kind of put it in really real perspective with the Tigers, uh, obviously we're talking about this. Uh, we're talking about uh, tonight's game is going to be their last game uh, playing Sunday night against a team that's not in the division. The rest of the season is all games within the division, and. This is, you know, if they're going to make hay, now's the time to do it because they have six games remaining with the Royals. And as we've, I believe both Chris Ayat and Jason Beck have said uh, when we had him on the show, the season essentially may come down to just those six games. It makes the most sense. I mean, because we've said before, we can't control what the Royals are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no way to, to uh, you know, stop them from winning the games that they're winning. And they've got a pretty easy schedule coming up, too. Yeah. So, really, the Tigers have to take their own fate, you know, into their own hands in those head-to-head games with Kansas City. And that's going to, yeah, absolutely, that's going to make or break the season, I think. You know, um, I, you know, if they, uh, if they can come out on top and take what, four of the six, five of the six, you know, games, then we're in good shape. I don't know if a split is going to necessarily cut it. That's the question that's, right there. That's just more of treading water, you yeah. know. Kind of leaves things right where we, you know, you're back to the drawing board basically after that series yeah. is over. Yeah, you're right, because if there's a split, essentially then the power is in the hands of the Royals 
And the Tigers really have to depend, uh, you know, just hope that the Royals stumble somehow because that really, I, I really believe this, a split does the Tigers absolutely no good whatsoever. They really do need to win at least four, preferably five. A sweep would be awesome. But this is, you know, they just can't afford any more splits of any series at this point, if you ask me. Well, yeah, not if they're going to take the division, you know, comfortably. Mm. And, and like I said, it may come down to the last two or three games of the season. Yeah. God, God forbid we end up with another game 163, because mm-hmm. uh, that becomes a total crapshoot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I made this comment on the site a couple weeks back, though. It seems appropriate to me that after this series with the Giants, the Tigers are only facing AL Central teams. So mm-hmm. if you're going to, you know take the, the best in show, so to speak, yeah. you know, become the division champs, then you should have to do it against the rest of the division teams. Uh, are the Tigers really better than Kansas City? Well, you know, we're going to find out head-to-head. Yeah, and they really do have a chance to, to make some hay in the division because uh, this next coming week, it's three games with the Royals and three games with the Tribe. And then after that, the only team they play above 500 the rest of the season are three more games with the Royals. They, they, the Tigers essentially have... Uh, it was like 10 games uh, against the Twins and White Sox, and they can really make a say there. Yeah, there, there are a lot of games with Twins coming up, and that's that's mm. kind of the silver lining. Yeah, yeah, um, they have seven games with the Twins, three of the White Sox. It, no, that they, if they can make the hay there, that could give them a little bit of a cushion with the Royals. But again, you, that's still, you, know, you, you still hate to think that you have to depend on the other team to, I, don't, I won't say collapse, but to at least stumble. And we may have seen the first stumble with the Royals in that Danny Duffy uh, left uh, the game on Saturday after just, uh, I think it was just one batter due to, I guess right now they're calling it soreness, but it really looks like uh, Duffy, a young pitcher, uh, may have hit the wall. And the, he's played a big part in the Royals' resurgence. That that could be, you know, as I think as I put on Twitter yesterday, injuries show no favorites, as the Tigers have learned. The Royals haven't had to deal with nearly as many. This this is a big one for them, right? And you know, baseball can be a cruel mistress, you know, in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, at the same time, you think, look, the Tigers have been essentially playing with one hand tied behind their back for most of the season, as yep. we've discussed with all the preseason injuries, season-ending injuries, the thing with Cabrera and with Verlander not really being up to mm-hmm. you know full one hundred percent power. So uh, you know, it's nice to kind of see the the playing field get even a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, keep things in perspective, I guess, you know, that it does come down to even a half-game lead is enough to clinch. You know, so if that's if that's the best the Tigers can do at the end of the se- season, you know, is to barely eke out that division championship by half a game, that's okay. You don't get extra credit in the mm-hmm. postseason for having won the division by three or four games. So let's, you know, strap in, as I said. Yeah, yeah. And, and. Uh, this is one of those things. I, you know, at this point, uh, it's not about style. It's not about running away with division. You, you know, it's all just about making the playoffs at this point. And I don't know about you, but the wild uh, making it to the wild card just scares the hell out of me because that is, that is such a random game. As we saw when the Tigers played the game 163 against the Twins a few years ago, uh, then, you know, that was a game that could have gone either way numerous times in that game. And that's essentially what making the wild card is at this point. I, I personally, I just think the wild card is a glorified one, game one sixty three, and you want to do your damnedest to stay out of it. 
Right, and people are going to remember Game 163 because that's the most recent, you know, trauma of that yeah. type. But, you know, they were the wild card team in 2006, right? Yeah, but it was a different situation then because that it got you into the divisional round right away. Right, right. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's tough. It, really, it's, it's for the fans' benefit that you want them to, mm-hmm. you know, take that division by five, six games, make it comfortable. It was last year, remember, at this yeah. time. Last year, it was essentially just a countdown, you mm-hmm. know, and saying, yeah, they're going to win it. There's no doubt. It's just a matter of when. This year is, is going to be a little bit more of a nail-biter. Um, but, you know, uh, look at the San Francisco Giants in 2012 and how many elimination games they had to face yeah. in the postseason to do what they did, and they still ended up becoming world champs. So, yeah. coin flips galore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and essentially that's what the, the playoffs really are. Uh, right, you know, right. Realistically, it's all, it really comes down to uh, the randomness of who's healthier, who's playing better, uh, who's getting, you know, who gets a ridiculous performance from a role player, that kind of thing. So, but uh, oh, let's talk worst case scenario. <laughs> God forbid uh, the Tigers don't make the playoffs or even have a disappointing postseason. Say they get knocked out in the wild card or even get KO'd in the divisional round uh, if they get that far. And, and, there could be some massive changes in this team, especially if they have a disappointing postseason, if they even make it. Because look at it. The results have been worsening year by year by year of this team. Uh, there's an aging core. There, no. There's an aging core. There's a possibility of losing important free agents. And who knows where the payroll is going to go from here on out. So... Do you think, you know, if the worst case scenario goes down, that blowing this team up is a possibility? I suppose anything's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hate to say, no, that will never happen, because, you know, we've said things like that before. Like, you know, they'll never trade Prince Fielder, and they did. You know, we didn't ever see them trading Doug Fister, but, you know, they did. So, you know, yeah, I'm not going to write that possibility off. Is it likely? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm curious to know a little more about what you mean when you say it's you know the results are worsening and worsening because I feel like last year was was kind of a cakewalk in terms of the regular season. Well, I'm talking playoffs, and, and other people have said the same thing that in 2013 yeah. that team, uh, you know, seemed to have the best possibility of, of winning the World Series as opposed to the 2012 team, the 2011 team, certainly the 2014 team. Yeah. So I guess I, I don't see them getting worse and worse. You know, this year aside, this year has been a definite drop off mm-hmm. from 2013. The way I'm saying this worse is that just that, no, they've gone from winning the World Series to not making the World Series but advancing around in the playoffs to now not – there's a very good possibility of not even making the playoffs. Obviously, you know, we're kind of just talking uh, hypotheticals yet because things could change if they have – you know, if they make the playoffs and have a good run. But there are some major issues with this team that I think either we either ignored or just didn't see coming – because there are a lot of soft spots on this team that lead could lead me to think that they aren't going to the window is really really closing fast in here. Yes, the part, starting pitching is still solid, you know, very very good, you know, especially if Justin yeah. Verlander bounces back. But there's a the outfield is a major question mark. Obviously, as we discussed, you know, Cabrera, the, uh, Verlander, the core is getting older. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen to Victor Martinez. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that that ha- really has me concerned about the future of this team. 
Well, okay, if I had to predict, I would say if they're going to blow up the team, to use your, your terminology, it won't be next year. I think next year you'll see them uh, continue to focus on core pitching, mm-hmm. or I mean, starting pitching, rather, as right. the core of the team. I think they will do everything in their power to keep David Price, Rick Porcello. Obviously, Justin Verlander is still on the team. I, I don't think Scherzer stays, but I, I think they'll build around the, the, uh, the starting pitching again. Right. And if you want to just go around the horn... I think the infield will probably stay the same. I don't mm-hmm. see Castellanos isn't going anywhere. Iglesias should be back. Kinsler's going to be there. Cabrera's going to be there. Probably Avila. You know, so that, that infield stays the same. Now, the right. outfield, like you said, it's not really a stable thing right now anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be the biggest uh, component of the team that you'd see some major overhaul. You know, but the, you know, they already traded away Austin Jackson. Right. So And Torrey Hunter is aging. I don't know if he'll be back or not. If he does, it's going to be probably in a limited role. I would hope so. So I assume Dirks is back. I think they'll have to fix center field and right field, you know, in the off season. And then, of course, the bullpen is just, you know, that's going to be a, another toss of the dice. Yeah, and that's always a year-to-year thing anyway. But I guess the, one of the main concerns about this is that Ian Kinsler has been awful in the second half. You look at his second-half numbers, uh, he's uh, essentially turned into uh, – this is the, uh, the example I used uh, on Twitter the other day. He's turned into Don Kelly, but with a lower on-base percentage. Ouch. Yes. Look at the numbers. It's scary in the second half. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I mentioned before on previous podcasts that I had some relatives in Texas that are big Rangers fans, and one of the things that they were kind of teasing me about mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, good luck with Kinzer, because they said he's he's so incredibly streaky. Now, that's, you know, fan perspective or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we are seeing some of that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's a bad player. You know, he's, mm. he's just going to be a little bit streaky. So, you know, it's, it's hard to predict and say he's he's doing poorly in the second half. He's going to continue to do that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of sample sizes that are suddenly getting pretty large. Because I remember, uh, you know, when the Tigers were struggling after their hot start and Brad Osmus would break out the, well, if you look at the sample sizes, the, the hot start is a bigger sample size than our losing streak. Well, that's obviously changed since the meantime, and not much has changed in the way this team is playing and some of the performances. And Kinsler, I think, has been one of, uh, since this team really is top-heavy. I mean, there's no question about that, especially offensively. When one or two guys start to, you know, their offense tails off, it hits this team badly. And this is the second-half numbers. He's hitting 244. His on-base percentage is just 273. Yeah. And his slugging is 335. For and just this is Don Kelly. Don Kelly is right. hitting 257 with a 344 on base percentage and slugging 299. So essentially, he's Don Kelly. That's a scary yeah, thought. That, that's, that's a scary right. thought. So now I'm going to go start a website for Ian Kinsler T-shirts. <laughs> so that's obviously next on the on the agenda. But no, like I said, Kinsler is you know he's a. He's an all-star second baseman, yeah. you know, and he's going through a streaky period, and I think that's maybe part of his, that's what he brings to the table. Um, you, you can't write that off, and, and I, like I said, I don't see him going anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, that, exactly, but uh, yeah, again, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm to the point now with this team where I'm not going to say anything absolute, because uh, after getting burned on, they're never trading Prince Fielder. It's an impossible contract to trade, yet they still made the deal, but yeah, there's... Uh, just to say I'm concerned about Ian Kinsler right now, but there's a lot of concern out there, Hookslide, for David Price. But I, this I tend to think is a little uh, more what have you done for me lately just because he's had a couple of rough starts. Because people have been throwing out the comparisons between Drew Smiley. And if you look at some of the numbers, it looks like Drew Smiley is outpitching David Price. 
in that since the trade, Smiley has a 1.70 ERA compared to prices 4.08. Uh, and Smiley's 3-1, prices 2-3. But I think there's a few differences here in that I think Price has been very unlucky. The batting average and balls in play for Drew Smiley since the trade, 178. Well, well wow. Price is a more essentially standard 315. In the FIP, Price actually has a lower uh, fielding independent pitching number of 262 than Smiley's 2.98. So, yeah, wow. his, his numbers are inflated by that bad, that really bad start against New York. But to say Price isn't uh, hasn't pitched well, that, that's really look, looking at it on the surface, not looking at the numbers at all. Yeah, and you can kind of see it from both sides. Obviously, his his field in, fielding independent percentage of two sixty two is you know almost less. It's almost half of his ERA. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can look at that and say, yeah, he's definitely getting unlucky. And uh, so you don't want to look at the at the surface numbers. On the other hand, mm-hmm. we're in such a crunch right now with yeah. so little time left in the season that you know I think some of the the people are right in saying you really can't afford to have Price go out there and lose anymore mm-hmm. you know he, he has got to go out there and just be rock solid he can't have any more weird anomalous bad outings uh so you, you do have to kind of look at the surface level from that standpoint so yeah mm-hmm. he, might, he might be unlucky but really he can't afford to be unlucky right now yeah 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 just like the saturday start where uh four he allowed four straight hits in the first inning four runs scored and he was awesome the rest of the game he allowed just one run i think and two hits but but it's too it, late at that point it was, the game yeah, was too done. late yeah, and, 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 and it was a weird game. The Tigers hit, what, three home runs in, yes, in that yeah. game, and yet it still wasn't enough. Right. And, you know, with the with the state of the, the starting rotation and Sanchez being out and Justin mm-hmm. Verlander struggling to be Justin Verlander, and then you got that, you know, we're playing what we call it, the starting pitcher bingo yeah. know, with, mm-hmm. with rookies coming up. Um, you, you have to have Porcellos, Scherzer, and, and Price just go out there and be dominant. You have yeah. to. And they have they weren't in the last two games because Porcello no. rocked with that awful marathon, ridiculous rain not rained out game on Friday. And let's face it, Scherzer has not been great yeah. in the last couple outings either. That that yeah. opening with the with the White Sox mm-hmm. when he was staked to a three nothing lead and proceeded to cough it up. You know, you really need the aces to be the aces, you know. Yeah. If we're gonna have any hope of, of making that divisional run. Yeah, yeah. If that and that's the crux of it. This team was built around starting pitching. The starting pitching is going to have to put this team on its shoulders. And considering that it has three Cy Young winners, uh, Rick Porcello, who's young and having a breakout year, those 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 four guys have to put this team on their shoulders and take this team to the playoffs. The question is, can they do it? I mean, that's why, I think, realistically, that's why there's still hope with this team, is that you look at those guys and say, how are they losing? <laughs> that's the question. Right. Right. With those three in a five-man rotation, you should be able to count on, you know, winning three out of five games. Yeah, exactly. And it's not happening right now, you know, due to a combination, well, say there's been bad luck, but also bad performances and the fact that this offense has been so feast or famine that in a lot of games, these pitchers just don't have any safety net at all. Right. And if you think about the, the percentage there, to win three out of five games is slightly better than 500. Yeah. 
they're almost there. Yeah. That's because, as we said, they've, they've been playing 500 ball for a long time now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, you just need that extra push, you know. This team is just so confusing and frustrating because they, <laughs> they look so at close. the numbers, you know, they, they, they lead the league and runs scored, and I believe they're still at the top of the league and on-base percentage and batting average, yet they just seem to just – just be so frustratingly struggle to score runs. It's this whole this whole season has been, well, it's been good for like roll aids and tums, but not good for your health. Really good for the Jack Daniels. Yeah, the, it's so, at the very least. Uh, they, they, you know, Jack Daniels should ditch their uh, what's the, the the Frank Sinatra commercials yeah. and just switch to Tigers commercials yeah. at least in the Detroit markets. So. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about September call ups uh, since we last spoke. Uh, that several prospects were called up this week. Very, this is very unlike the days of Jim Leland when the roster really wasn't expanded very much and he didn't like to play these guys. Uh, this week, outfielder Stephen Moya was called up from AA Erie, uh, while catcher James McCann, who everybody's been wanting to see, along with uh, Tyler Collins, an outfielder, infielder Hernan Perez, and pitchers Kyle Lobstein, who, again, he's getting to start tonight in the primetime game. Uh, Kyle Ryan and Robbie Ray all got the call from AAA Toledo. Um, any thoughts on these guys so far? Anybody who you've really been looking forward to seeing and and, and hopefully seeing again next year? Uh, Moya, yeah. I think, was, was probably the top on my list of just mm-hmm. curiosity because I've heard so much about him. Um, I got to see him play with the Whitecaps, you know, years ago. Um, and, you know, people were very high on him then. Um, and then just hearing all the talk coming from Toledo yeah. about his, you know, his abilities there and the way he's tearing the cover off the ball, but also – you know, somewhat, uh, he's got that really high strikeout rate, I think, oh, yeah. was, was the issue. Mm-hmm. So, I've been interested to see, you know, what he brings to the table, so it's been good to see him. Um, now, I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched a lot of the games this last week, because mm-hmm. um, I just, I can't, I just <laughs> can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the couple that I have seen, though, mm-hmm. it seems like uh, Osmus is playing these guys a lot. In the sense of you get to around those seventh, eighth, ninth innings, and yeah. suddenly you have like eight defensive replacements. Yeah, and that's kind of confused me a little bit, just because I'm used to the Leland era. Yeah, as you said, where you didn't get that many replacements until the Tigers had clinched. Right. You know, like last year, once they clinched, then yeah, it was you know there was a grab bag of, of starters and you know swapping out defensive replacements in the third and fourth innings. Um, so it's just kind of been, been very weird for me to watch that you know, these couple of games and saying, wow, they're, they're swapping out players, you know, mm-hmm. at a much higher rate than I thought they were going to. I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, because we could, we could probably do an entire podcast on Brad Osmus' strategy and his uh, tendency to pull his best players late in games despite having small leads and a bad bullpen. But, uh, which is when we tend to see some of these guys. But, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, really, the most intriguing guys are obviously Moya, just because of that prodigious power he has. And McCann, uh, maybe because it, it's from all accounts, he's going to be part of a platoon of Alex Avila next year. And it was interesting that McCann got the start yesterday, and he hit the ball hard. He really did. And... That's, I think, something that the Tigers, well, you, you, you want to see from your catcher because it's, it's such a premium defensive position. Any offense you can get from, from catcher is a huge plus to your offense. But that, that kind of leads to the uh, Osma saying he was not going to play McCann unless Avila's injury, obviously, again, more concussion-like symptoms he's suffering from. He's supposed to be back in the lineup today. Uh, and... 
It, 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 the thing is, though, McCann seems to be such a good fit for this team offensively because he has an ability to just crush right-handed pitching. But Osmus is playing the, well, he can't handle the pitching staff card. Uh, the quote, in September, a team is trying to make a playoff spot and we're going to stick to a rookie catcher in there. I don't think that would be prudent. So uh, he's going more towards defense and pitching handling at the cost of offense and the fact that Alex Avila really is, is struggles at the plate for long, long stretches. Uh, I would love to see a little more McCann. I, you know, I, at the very least, I think he could be better used, especially when it comes to obvious pitching situations. There's some obvious situations where we've seen either Alex Avila or Brian Holiday bat when it really looked like McCann would have been a much better choice. Well, when you have a September call-up pool that is this yeah. big, yeah, uh, you know, you're, you're just giving all kinds of fodder to the fans that love to second-guess the manager, which I, I admit I'm one of them. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we all are. I cannot figure out this guy's strategy for the life of me. There have been times we've seen in the last week where, you know, it's time for a pinch hitter, and he, and he puts Ezekiel Carrera in there. Oh, God, don't get me going. And you go, wait a minute, you've got Moya on the bench. He's supposed to be a, you know, devastating hitter. What are you doing? You know, but then he uses Moya as a pinch runner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't get it. Uh, but I might tend to agree with him on the McCann issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in terms of, you know, Avila has such great game-calling skills and defense. Um, this is not the time to be playing around with uh, with rookies in that position. Yeah. Although I will agree with you, you know, if it's late in the game and you're in a run-scoring position, you need to score that run. Um, maybe it's time to bring McCann in more often in those pinch-hitting situations, especially if the op- you know if he's bringing in Holiday to pinch hit. Yeah, exactly. That's the part I don't get. Why did you bring in Holiday to pinch hit instead of McCann? You've got McCann, but... Like I said, it's all the second-guessing game, you know. Yeah, yeah. And from all accounts, McCann is a better defensive catcher than Brian Holiday. So uh, that's you know, I guess that's the main issue is that yeah, there's some obvious pinch hitting situations where I think McCann would be, it would be more prudent in the words of Osmus to, to have him enter the game. But yeah, I do fall on the side that yeah, you got to ride Alex Avila just because of the comfort of the pitching staff, and he does have pretty damn good defense, but. Uh, I, I, I guess it all falls into, I think a lot of us are just plain disagreeing with a lot of the strategies Brad Ausmus employs when it comes to one, like pinch hitting. Like that, I thought it was ridiculous, um, Carrera uh, pinch hitting yesterday. There's the fact that he tends to pull his infield in, I, I think, far too early in games. Now, there, there's little things like that that I think are, is really starting to irritate this fan base. And the losing, you know, the 500 ball. That that's really exacerbating it, right? And you know, it's 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 a blending of two issues there. I mean, I don't know yeah. how much you can blame the manager for playing 500 ball, right? But when you're in that position and already kind of heightened, you know, frustration mm-hmm. to see some of those questionable decisions, or at least questionable from our yeah. vantage point. I'm really trying to keep uh, what we heard from Chris Iat in perspective, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. he said behind the scenes, you talk to these managers, you know, why did you make that move? And they've got a 20 minute, you know, explanation yeah. that covers things you never even thought of so I'm, I'm trying to reserve judgment but you know yeah in those moments it's mm-hmm. it's incomprehensible it's frustrating yeah. and you go well, okay maybe if you had a 600 winning percentage behind you you get a little more leeway but you don't exactly that's and that's the difference so this team is playing and even just a little bit better i think the, a lot of these questions would, I wouldn't be ignored but they'd be more likely to be swept under the rug but I, I think again we're just seeing the struggles of a rookie manager in a pennant race and uh, you know, this is, you no, know, and I, I guess going back to the start of the season, I guess this is one of those things where I just, uh, I think a lot of fans thought when it came to Brad Osmus that, 
he would just be, for the most part, be able to just plug his players in and then just try to run a good clubhouse, and that would be enough. But when you factor in the injuries this team has had and the roster changes because of trades and, and the bullpen struggles, there's uh, it, the situation has changed considerably for Brad Osmus, and now the pressure is really on this guy. Right, and you have to you know extend some sympathy at least you, yeah. to, your, to your point and say it has not been an easy you know situation for him dealing with those injuries and changes. Uh, I know we kind of criticize him for being exactly that to yeah. to push button style of management, especially when it comes to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that this has not been this has been a, a, a you know ever revolving deck of cards to deal yeah. with, and so it's certainly not been easy on him. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, this is one of those cases where I think we're watching a, a relatively young man age before our eyes. It's sad to say, he's going to look it's, like Jim Leland at this I rate know. in about a year. And I'll just I'll throw this in as a personal aside. My wife and I went to the Whitecaps playoff game on Wednesday night, and actually got to meet Jim Leland because he yeah. showed up at the ballpark, mm-hmm. and uh, he introduced his his wife to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my wife later commented, she said his wife looks about 30 years younger than he is. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I did say, remember, Jim Leland has looked about 60 years old since the 80s. Yeah. This is a, you know, so he, he's a, he looks a lot older than he really is. And uh, Osmus is going to probably eclipse him before the end of the season <laughs> if this you keeps know, up. I think that's the problem. The Tigers seem to have their best success when they hire a, a, a manager who looks 30 years older than he really is, Sparky, Sparky and Jim Leland. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you, you found the uh, the magic formula. Exactly. <laughs> and I include Earl Weaver in that uh, discussion as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, as we start hitting the home stretch in the podcast, we've got to talk about a few off-field issues. And the, the big one this past week was the Justin Verlander, well, nude picks. Uh, Verlander and a significant other, supermodel Kate Upton, had nude pics released to the internet, uh, along with numerous other celebrities, after uh, it really looks like a, an Apple iCloud hack. Uh, I think Verlander handled this awesome. And Justin, we said, I keep my personal life personal. And uh, we, I, I guess we, people have to realize, when you think about it, these guys, you know, every, you know, everyone involved in this was actually the victim of a crime. And that's, you know... You get a lot of people blaming the victim. Well, they never should have taken these pictures. They never should have uploaded them. Yeah, you can say that, but you also got to say that, you know, there's a, you know, there's there's a lot of issues when it comes to privacy on the Internet. And I think we all, you know, people tend to think they're more savvy than they really are. And yeah, this is yeah. just one of those things where I, I have trouble blaming Verlander and Upton for this. A crime was committed, and that's the that's the main issue here. Right, and I know it's a hot button topic, and I, I think mm-hmm. as with most things like this, it's it's uh, it's far too complicated to be black or white about it mm-hmm. and, and land on one side or the other. It's it's too simplistic to say, yeah. you know, don't ever use the word blame. That's stupid. Don't ever say they deserved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Are there other security measures? Well, look, I work in internet security, so I know yeah. a thing or two about this, mm-hmm. and uh, this is why I I personally don't take nude pics on my phone because I I understand a little bit more about this not to say that that's you know a bad thing or you should never do it but um, you know it's like constantly keeping your car parked in the bad area of town it's just probably not a good idea Mm -hmm. but hey you know at the same time I understand not everyone is going to be an internet security guru exactly and so the average rank and file person I, I, I cannot believe there's not lawsuits 
flying fast and furious over you know the Apple iCloud situation just because mm-hmm. uh, people don't know this, but when you when you connect with your phone, um, mm-hmm. you're syncing things to the cloud whether you know it or not. And that goes with not just Apple, but with, um, with Google the, Android yes, as well. Absolutely, and, and for that matter, Windows Phone. Everything uploads to a giant cloud. Right. See, I, I just got a new phone last week, too, and, and one of the first things that I do is I run down a whole list of, mm-hmm. you know, going into settings and shutting off, you know, certain quote-unquote automatic features that I yeah. think are, are security breaches. But like I said, you can't expect the, the rank-and-file public to know those things exactly. or to even know that the problem exists, and suddenly now it's on the forefront. So, yeah, I have a hard time putting too much responsibility on the people that got hacked, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, I kind of fall in the middle there, I guess, but uh, I... I certainly hope that they, they all learned a little something about this and I hope that this does bring the issue to the forefront and that you know Android and I, uh, Apple you know start to turn off some of those features or at least you know say look we're going to sync your information to a publicly shared cloud do you want mm-hmm. to you know agree to this or not um, you should have the option of you know opting out that should not be the default setting yeah um so yeah people get get stronger passwords and (laughs) that's a big one right there because they're so i mean i see it all the time i see it in my own family with people who have you know they they tend to reuse the same passwords because it's really easy to remember they have they don't use password managers they are constantly writing crap down and essentially it just takes one crack in that you know, with your passwords. You know, say you, you're using the same password on an email that you may also happen to be using with iCloud, and if someone cracks that, you're screwed. Yeah, it's it's tricky. It's, it's a very, you know, like I said, for people that are not necessarily tech savvy, mm-hmm. it's a very unknown world. Yeah. And, and you can't blame them, you know, for not knowing the ins and outs of that. I wish the public was a little more educated, or I wish that these companies would, would yeah. err on the side of caution for their default mm-hmm. settings. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for, for convenience's sake, we give up a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's just the way it is. But I thought, mm-hmm. like you said, I thought Verlander handled it very well just by saying it, that's private, and I, I keep that private, you know. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk about the baseball season. I do hope that, you know, as a result of this, it, you, you never know, to get inside mm-hmm. someone's psyche like that. If this had happened to me, I would be devastated. No, I, no, I, oh, God, yes, I would. Uh, it would be very difficult to carry on regular daily duties, you know. I, mortar, I, saying I would be mortified is just an understatement. Right, you know? yeah. right. It would be constantly on my mind. Yeah. Um, it would be very hard to continue working, you know, with, with full concentration. So I hope he's able to get past that, mm-hmm. you know. It's just a, it's a, uh, it's a shameful thing, and I hope they catch yeah. the bastards that did it. But, uh, yeah, hopefully this doesn't impact him too much, you know, going forward. He's able to continue pitching, and, you know, people want to joke about that, you know. Like, he says, I, I'm keeping it personal. I'm, I'm concentrated on, you know, getting through the pennant race, and we're going, yeah, your record doesn't show that. Yeah. But, so maybe this will uh, maybe this will inspire angry Verlander to come out and, uh, you know, pitch like a storm. Yeah, yeah. I'll close this with just saying three, uh, three words. Two-factor authorization, people. Just remember that. There you go. Yeah. All right, uh, one more thing, and this involves Fox Sports Detroit and the broadcast crew, who we are going to be interviewing uh, in the coming month. We're going to talk to both Mario Mpemba and Rod Allen. But it was announced that Jack Morris, uh, who currently works Twins games for Fox Sports North, is going to join Mpemba and Allen in the Tigers booth for six games over this coming week. According to Detroit News' Tony Paul, uh, Fox Sports Detroit is investigating the idea of a three-man booth next season, and it may not necessarily be Jack Morris, but they want to add a pitcher's perspective to the TV broadcast. And I, I kind of find it interesting because one, 
you know, say what you will about Mario and Rod, I think they have a great chemistry, you know, uh, on the broadcast. You know, they, they, they aren't uh, Dan Dickerson in that they don't go very much into the advanced metrics and that sort of thing. But when it comes to just having an enjoyable broadcast, you know, that especially when things get bad and they can go off on tangents, they're a very enjoyable crew to listen to. And, and realistically, I think in Detroit, especially if you watch any um, MLB.TV at all, we're spoiled by the broadcast crews we have here. So uh, as much as, yeah, I, of course, we all love Jack Morris for what he did as a Tiger. And from what little I've heard of him you know, on the Twins broadcast, and he's also done some national stuff, he obviously knows what he's talking about. But I, I'm just I'm kind of concerned that this may break up some very good chemistry on the broadcast. Right. That's my biggest concern. Um, but I don't like change in general. Yeah, no one does. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mario and Rod have had years to develop this, you know, booth chemistry that you talk about, and they're very good at it. Yeah. Uh, Mario is a consummate professional. Yes. And like you said, if you listen to any other broadcasting teams, uh, in fact, you know, was it uh, Jesse Spector is doing that, that series on ranking the different MLB broadcast teams. Mario and Rod ranked in the top five, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I haven't checked his results recently, but mm-hmm. uh, Mario is a professional and, and Rod adds, you know, some of his, uh, his, his player knowledge to it. But he's also a very, you know, fun loving, lighthearted guy. And that just it works really well. To have those two things playing off of each other, so yeah, you add a third person to the booth, that's going to disrupt the chemistry a little bit. Um, and for those of us who who prefer the more you know advanced metric oriented discussions mm-hmm. and less of the kind of so called old school baseball talk, you know, uh, this could be a real tough stretch. To have. Yeah, because you know you know Morris's stance. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, back in my day, we didn't have pitch counts, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna get into all of that, I'm sure. Um, Personally, I've never liked Jack Morris. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm thankful for what he did for the Tigers and his, his pitching career. He's obviously, I think, a Hall of Fame-worthy pitcher, but as a mm-hmm. personal character, I've never liked him. Uh, always found him to be very, very arrogant, and, you know, that, that I don't think that the, the broadcast booth needs that element yeah. added to it. So, mm-hmm. I, But, uh, you know, let's see how the next six games go. Yeah. And we'll uh, resume. Yeah, it, until then. it could be awesome. You, you never know, but... Uh, I, what I what it's kind of snuck up on me is that I didn't realize the Tigers have had the same TV guys for 12 years now. That's right. Yeah, that's 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 a long time. Like I said, to get used to each other and develop that, you know, in-game rapport with each other. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what this uh, what this does to the chemistry. And who knows, Jack Morris might surprise us all and add some real, you know, insightful commentary, or he might be the next Tim McCarver. And we'll yeah, he might just oh, be a crank. Yeah, <laughs> shut him down. Enough. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I know sometimes we can all tend to be, you know, even like when I'm running the Bless You Boys Twitter, I might make a snarky comment about the Fox Sports Detroit broadcast. But for the most part, it's a very well done, very professionally done broadcast, and it's a very enjoyable broadcast for the most part. And I think you nailed it when you said Mario Pemble, he's a pro's pro. And, you know, his, and these, and I think, and, you know, being fans that we are, you know, we're a little more in depth into this. We're a little more into the advanced metrics. We do have to remember that uh, these guys, Mario and Pemba and Rod Allen, are for the most part broadcasting to the general public, the casual fan. Who, if you brought up the term uh, "fip," for example, uh, you'd get the quizzical dog look. So right, that's what right. we have to remember that we're, we're the we're the niche we're the minority when it comes to that right. kind of stuff. 
and you get spoiled because Dan Dickerson is really, really good at introducing the advanced mm-hmm. metrics in a in a very consumable kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll he'll sneak in discussions about war without you even realizing that he's doing it. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll draw this analogy. Um, Jim Price, you know Dickerson's partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he'll take some heat, you know, oh, yeah. for being just kind of a you know not adding anything to the discussion, I guess, you know, and just repeating his catchphrases or whatever. But the wow. one thing that, yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah. Nice area. Um, but what I've noticed is that when Dickerson sets him up mm-hmm. with the right kind of question, you really get to see his baseball knowledge come through. There'll be those times in the game where Dickerson will say, you know, Hey, we're in a three, two count and he's thrown three curveballs. Jim, what do you think is coming next? And he, suddenly Jim Price will like just erupt yeah. with a fount of, you know, baseball knowledge. And he's usually right. Mm-hmm. So drawing that analogy, um, you know, if Mario can can kind of do the same thing with uh, you know with with a Jack Morris in the booth or a Rod Allen in the booth and kind of set these guys up to really play to their strengths, it could be a dynamic broadcast. Yeah. So you know, hey, we, we've got Mario on the show next week. Maybe we'll uh, yeah <laughs> kind of ask him about that. Yeah, and the question is, is for that matter, you know, it's quite possible that. Uh, Mario and Rod just aren't fans of advanced metrics, and it's something they're just not interested in. So, they, it, you know, it, different strokes for different folks, essentially, is the way it is right. with the broadcast crews. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, start wrap up this podcast. So anything else you'd like to add, Hook Slide, before I watch some football and you ignore football? No, no, I think we've covered all the, all the good stuff, and... Uh... Uh, just to, to you know, kind of reiterate that we're having uh, Mario and Pemba on the show next week, right. and then Rod Allen to follow the week after, and hopefully mm-hmm. Dan Dickerson will come after that. Yep, the groundwork is being laid. Uh, it's all very tentative right now. We don't have a date for uh, Dan Dickerson, but we're hoping to have him on before the end of the season. Yep, we're on the street as he's agreed to do the podcast. We just need to get the uh, the dates firmed up. So exactly, we'll be so. deep into the pennant race by then. So uh, we'll we'll see what what happens. All right, so let's start wrapping up this podcast. So, uh, again, Hook Slide, where can the listeners find you online? Writing snark for blessyouboys.com, <laughs> but also on Twitter at hookslidebyb. Yeah, same here at blessyouboys.com, along with at Big Al BYB. My other podcast has been on a hiatus, uh, the knee jerks I do of Bless You Boys contributor Greg Eno. I'm not sure when we're going to get back to that, because his life went into an uproar, because uh, he his... Uh, his basement was pretty much ruined by the flooding we had a few weeks ago. So factor that in with holidays and stuff, and we've kind of taken a break from that podcast. So be on the lookout. Probably next Michigan few weeks we'll get back to it. But as always, Michigan we'll have this podcast going until the end of the season. We'll probably a little bit past that. Uh, depends on when we get burned out. <laughs> and, and when there's nothing to talk about. And right now there's still plenty to talk about. So... Regardless of all that, let's get out of here. So, until this time next week, this is LB saying good afternoon and good luck along with Hookslide. We podcast for October. And hopefully we'll have October happiness to talk about in the next Bless You Boys podcast. <laughs> That'll get him out of the old ballpark. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella. Up to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.